0: Hello, and welcome to Life Stories. I'm Ron Hogan, and I talk to memoir writers about their lives and the art of writing memoir. My guest today is Katie Haney, and her memoir is called Never Have I Ever. It's published by Grand Central Publishing, and it's basically about her dating life or lack thereof. Or as it says at the beginning, my name is Katie Haney, and I am a Bermuda Triangle. That's true. (laughs) So uh, let's unpack that a little bit.
1: I don't remember exactly when this came to me, but that term kind of came from me actually considering my best friend plays a major role in the book as a lighthouse, which to me is like someone who's, you're just magnetically drawn to them in ways that aren't necessarily immediately evident or obvious to everyone, but I just feel like we all know people who are just really appealing to be around, and she, in this case, it's it's kind of not just for dating, but In this case, I'm talking about, like, she's always got people asking her out and always has one boyfriend right after the other, at least did for a long time. And so I said that the I thought that the opposite of that was probably like the Bermuda Triangle where it's just like a mysterious, unknown part of the ocean that you try to avoid. (laughs) I guess that sounds like so much more negative than I really mean it, but it's just, yeah, I don't know.
0: The metaphor kind of points to what the book is about, really, Mm -hmm. which is, And you go back to, you know, the elementary school years and just trace the roots of... I mean, part of it is an uneasiness around boys, but part of it is just, it's not necessarily maladroitness, but there's just, something's not clicking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's,
1: that's fair to say. I mean, I don't think that it's, especially early on, I don't think it's exceptional to feel nervous or awkward or weird around people that you have crushes on. So I don't think that it's like... I'm an extremely unusual case or anything like that. I just think that's it's funny to consider like why that is and why we all have these weird things that we build up in our heads that are based on almost nothing
0: and then as you get older and you hit adolescence and it sort of becomes more culturally normative for you or or for girls to start having boyfriends. Mm-hmm. you still aren't clicking yet. you know one of the things that strikes me about the memoir is that you do maintain a pretty positive and confident attitude i mean you talk about this mm-hmm. about how it's like you never thought that you were the problem per se.
1: right yeah and i think it does start to i think high school is the first time where it starts to become something that can make someone feel outsidery and i think it really wasn't until the end of high school where i was like oh wait like i guess now all of my other friends have done this at least once And I still haven't, but it just didn't really occur to me to think there must be something wrong with me. I just have always thought it'll happen when it happens and I'm not that, I'm not in a very big rush, I guess.
0: There's a point in college where a boy finally expresses an interest in you Mm -hmm. and you kind of flip out about it. And (laughs) I, I love the line where you're like, you know, you're talking about, you know, what am I supposed to do when somebody says that they like me? And you're like, you know, executive decisions associated with boys, basically make me seasick
1: that's true yeah i was like almost mad at him at the time just because it didn't really make sense to me and that sounds again like i'm taking pity on myself and it's not that it just it was just very unexpected because i hadn't experienced anything like this before and him and i were good friends and so i just it was unimaginable to me how things would change between us and i have never been very good at accepting A proposal of change on the first go. And
0: that ended up turning into like a, sounds like a whole semester long drama, or even like a, a school year long drama.
1: Yeah, because I feel like there's, even though I think that I had a good attitude about it and wasn't worried about having, dating someone just for the sake of dating someone, there's still this weird thing where I like wasn't sure that I could trust myself to know if I really liked him or not, because I think that when you're around a bunch of your friends, who are dating frequently it's not unusual to hear them say things like you know I'm not sure I really like him that much but we're just hanging out like just seeing what happens and I have always found that really hard to understand because I don't understand then why you would hang out with someone you don't really like and so I just spent a few months trying to figure out whether I was interested in him romantically or not instead of just trusting my instincts.
0: As you're telling these stories and then stories that continue on into graduate school and Mm -hmm. up until your online dating adventures or misadventures. Mm -hmm. What was sort of the genesis of taking this personal history and feeling like there was a book in it? I get the sense that it started out as articles.
1: Well, it started after I published a couple things online that were kind of dating oriented. And I started talking to people about, or it started being suggested that I should write a book. And I I just thought that the thing that I felt that I knew best how to write about at that time, and to some extent still do, is myself. And I just thought that this was something about me that was, like, maybe demographically unusual, if I still don't think, like, super weird or anything. But just something that would make for a funny stories is to look at, like, a chronological examination of what went, quote-unquote, wrong with, like, everybody I ever had a crush on. Because that's what I like to talk about with my friends. I mean, just talking about who we like and why and making fun of ourselves and other people is just like my favorite thing to do. So I just thought it would be fun.
0: Now there's a point about halfway through the book where you sort of take a little digression and you say, okay, look, let's just put it out there that there's not going to be any sex in the book. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to go into this conversation that I think makes a couple of really important points that I'd like to unpack the first off is chipping away at the idea that virginity is somehow a state of preciousness or a state of weakness in the sense that it's like okay you're you're in your early 20s your mid-20s and you're still a virgin what's wrong and, and what you're saying is is like there doesn't have to be anything wrong.
1: Yeah I think that especially when I was early on into college it seemed very much like if you hadn't had sex yet, there needed to be some kind of reason. And the only two reasons that I've ever been aware of that are popular in public commentary are that you're religious or that you're unattractive. And I don't think that either of those is true for me. You know, I think that that's not true for most people who aren't having sex at whatever age. And I, n- I didn't feel peer pressured in any extent that I was like actually going to do something about it, but I do think that it felt like something that would be an embarrassing or shocking revelation for even some of my closer friends, and I still have a hard time understanding why that is.
0: You also talk about kind of attacking this cultural peer pressure that suggests older women who are sexually inexperienced are somehow inferior and are not as good. And, and you're saying, one, guys, stop doing that. And two, women who say that about other women are are just helping guys who say these kinds of things.
1: Yeah, and I think that I was exceptionally lucky at the points in my life when this was like more prescient for me to be friends with people who would never say things like that. But there are a lot of very subtle remarks and things that I think just especially in college is when I feel like this was the most relevant, where it just feels like something you're supposed to be putting at a top priority rather than just like finding people you like spending time with in whatever way, which I think is so much more valuable, especially at that age to be worried about. And yeah, I think even, not even with sex, but just being someone who is attentive welcoming and available to guys is kind of one of the major things i think that girls are pressured to do in college and i just hate that i think if i'm complaining to my friends back then about like not even complaining but just being like you guys get flirted with so much more at the bars and like well that's because you don't smile and laugh at their jokes and like let people who want to just come sit in our booth with us come sit in our booth with us and i'm like well no because I don't like them they're obnoxious I don't know them why is it that we have to let people come into our space and just say that it's okay because they're guys and just by nature of them being guys I'm supposed to be flattered by that so (laughs) it's obviously something that I care about
0: and as I'm reading the story and you're talking about being sort of uneasy around boys and the whole sort of seasickness passage. And then there's another passage where you're, you're talking about, you know, one of the things that you hate about boyfriends is that they steal away (laughs) your best friends and, and what you're saying now, but well, I don't want to, they're, they're just, you know, taking up, they're coming in and disrupting things for us. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one of the obvious interpretations that raises its head as a, as a possibility is, well, are you even attracted to boys? Are you perhaps attracted to women? And, You don't tackle this directly, Mm -hmm. but I think, I mean, you do indirectly, let's say, it's, it's fairly plain that it's like whatever consideration you've given this at some point, you are attracted to men. It's just that you're not actually having relationships.
1: Well, and I think that the assumption that if someone isn't making guys their number one priority, seeking them out and having relationships with them just for the sake of doing it, that that must mean that they're gay or uninterested in them is a problematic and offensive one in itself because that's just not something that people would say of guys if they're like, I'm, you know, I'm not into dating right now. No one, none of their friends are going to say, Do you think you might be into dudes? Like, that's just not what the response is going to be. But for women, it's supposed to be the number one priority at all times. And I have place incredible value on my relationships with women and my friends and it's the greatest source of joy in my entire life but it's possible to have that and have it be like deeply passionate and important to me without it being sexual and I think why there isn't I, I don't know I find it troubling that it's like well it must be one or the other because there's no way that you could be just not dating right now not into it right now and still be the, into them in general.
0: For example, in, in your particular case right now, it's like you moved to New York just a few months ago from mm-hmm. Minneapolis. You're immersed in a, in a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Dating is probably not a high priority for you right now, I'm guessing.
1: It's a priority as much as it ever is, I think. I'm not someone who sees it as a job. I, know, I think that a lot of women I know who actually you know like sign up for multiple dating profiles go to speed dating things talk to their friends ask who's single ask to be set up they are people who end up in more relationships and more frequently and that's great for them if that's the way that they want to do it i cannot stand online dating i just don't want to do it so it's sort of just accepting that dating is something that i care about and would like to do and have done but it's not something that i want to go through the torturous mortification of online dating or just to make it happen sooner like I'd rather live my life for myself and my friends and my job and my family and things I care about and if a guy figures into that at some point that's great I still have crushes on people all the time like it's something that I think about but it's just not everything
0: are you establishing a, a new support network for yourself here in New York, like you had in Minneapolis with your best friends?
1: Yeah, I was fortunate to know a bunch of my friends here from the internet before moving here. So I think I kind of moved in with one in place. And it's gotten stronger since I've gotten here. Riley and Colleen are still, you know, the two loves of my life. And it sucks having them in Minneapolis when I'm here. But that's not going to change and here it's just like having a whole bunch of more people to hang out with and it's been great.
0: Towards the end as you're summing everything up you suggest that your experiences have made you good at being single. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about what that means for you.
1: I think that that means being patient and not ever feeling like I mean I shouldn't say not ever because I don't want to present the idea that I never have insecurities or doubts about the way that I have lived my life so far, but almost never feeling like I should just suck it up and date someone who I'm not even that interested in just to do it. You know, I, I have insecurities about, like, how I interact with guys and how all that stuff goes, but I don't really have many insecurities about myself as a person, and I really think that being single helps with that. I think that I wouldn't advise anyone to, like, just break up with whoever they're dating just so they can, like, take some time and figure that out, but I think it's so important to for especially young women to have some point in their young lives where they are alone and not super actively working on dating someone because it's so instructive in telling you what you want to do with your life and what else you want to have besides just the guy that's supposed to be the only thing that we care about.
0: After spending... All this time analyzing your crushes and your dating situations and things like that. What are you interested in writing about these days?
1: I think that writing about young women's lives is probably going to be one of the major themes of my career, I hope. I think that the way that girls talk to each other on a day-to-day basis is the funniest thing in my entire life. I just, it's so exaggerated and emotional and like funny, just really, really funny. The the number of women I know who are just like so adept at doing impressions of the guys they dated or recounting hookups from the previous weekend or whatever. It's just like we've all become such good storytellers with each other that I think it's fascinating and an endless source of humor for me. So I think that's what I really love to write about. I mean, on a daily basis for my job, I do a lot more general stuff. I like writing about entertainment and celebrities and more general interests like that but I think just in terms of like book length type stuff like young women's lives is just that's what I love.
0: Do you watch Girls at all?
1: Mm-hmm. I do um yeah I saw I think I saw all of the first two seasons. And what did you think? I think that Lena Dunham is a really talented writer. I think that one of the things I struggle with on that show is that I have a hard time relating to the friendships presented in it. I think that, especially in the second season, I get the feeling when I watch that show that these girls don't even like each other. They're so dark. <laughs> it's just, like, not a life view that I relate to or that I feel like my friends relate to. I think. I mean, I'm certain there are people like that. I've met some of them. But it's not something where I'm like, oh, I find this, like, viscerally relatable. It's a totally... Fascinating show, and I I enjoy watching it. But it's something where I'm like, I wish there was someone on this show where I felt like this is someone I would be friends with in real life, or that they even liked each other.
0: Are there other memoirs, or, or maybe just other stories about young women that do feel more relatable to you?
1: Certainly, there are. I think one book that I read, I guess in the last year that I really loved um, was a novel called Penelope by Rebecca Harrington, and it's about a girl just starting college and. It's really just like a year in her life. And I think that that type of story is what I find most interesting, where it's like not necessarily especially remarkable, or it's not like she, it's someone where they're, they've got these great love affairs. Like I don't find that to be realistic for most experiences that young women have. But I don't think that I've read a lot of stories about women where I was like, this, is something that I feel I see myself in and I guess that's part of the motivation for writing it in the first place is that you know even on shows where it's like the shows or books really where the protagonist is supposed to be like this girl who's totally unlucky in love or whatever it's like she's like on Mindy Kaling's show which I adore like she's got date after date after date lined up and with all these like hot guys and it's always goes great and it's like Okay, well, what about the people who are unlucky in love and then still never go on any dates? And it just is like, I don't know, and they just didn't hang out with their friends instead. That's what I relate to, and I don't see as much of that as I would like to.
0: So the message of this book, or or the takeaway for for never, however, is not so much, "Hey guys, look, I'm available," <laughs> <Absolutely> but <laughs> no, <not. laughs> it, it's it seems like it's much more oriented towards young women who, whether they have just had failed relationships or they're not in relationships to be someone to say, it's like, look, I know where you're coming from on this. And it's
1: okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think of it very much as like, I don't know how to say this, without it's sounding cheesy. So I just, will. but like a love letter to girls and young women for the way that we live now and the way that we talk to each other and hang out with each other and obsess about these things. And then, but you know, it's like, boys aren't everything to us. This is maybe like one very central theme in the book, but I think that the theme of female friendship is equally important and I just, you know, it's very much a book for girls and one look at, you know, one person like my life and knowing that it certainly doesn't speak for everyone, but just hoping that some girls will find it relatable.
0: Well, I think that there are a lot of people who will find something to relate to in Never Have I Ever. I have been talking with the author, Katie Haney. The book is out from Grand Central Publishing. I'm Ron Hogan. You've been listening to Life Stories. If you are subscribed to us on iTunes already, thank you for that. If you're not subscribed on iTunes, it's very easy to do. And you can also review and rate the podcast, which will maybe make it a little bit easier for other folks to find it. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for another episode soon. Take care.